the number one thing, in my opinion, that people misunderstand about how to protect kids is adults do not think like children, right? As adults, we we give and receive information from each other all the time in this really kind of, at least attempts at being straightforward. This happened on this day, this body part touched this body part, right? That's how we adults want to be given the information in a super clear way. We practically want that kid to sit down with us at an appointment and like show us on their calendar all of their documentation, right? That's right. kind of, I'm being sarcastic, but it's a little bit what we expect from kids. Kids and teenagers do not report that way, not even remotely. It's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall. And a warning, as we set out into this, we're going to talk all about the uh, AP article about abuse, about reporting abuse, about what uh, qualifies as abuse, all, all things about that. So if that is something that triggers you or something that you don't want young ears to be able to listen, go and go ahead and hit a hard pause and then come back to this or just wait till another episode comes out that you can listen to. But I can guarantee that this is going to be a conversation uh, worth listening to. My guest is Jennifer Roach. You might recognize her from episode 520 of the Cultural Hall, where we got to know her quite a bit. Or you might have heard her on literally every other LDS-themed podcast in the last 10 days. Every time I see a new episode from, you know, one of the colleagues or something like that, Jennifer, it's we're visiting with Jennifer Roach and talking about. I've actually been a little bit selective, Richie. I have done <laughs> four of them. And then I said I would stop. Uh -huh. And you are number five that I just snuck in under the wire because I thought, doggone it, I like Richie. Well, and the thing is, uh, I mean, you've talked a lot about, um, you know, really just kind of the story that has come out with the the AP article. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to be our focus. We'll mention it so that if people don't know like what we're even talking about, I want to make sure we get mm -hmm. everybody at the same table. But I would like to have more of a conversation about a, a now what or so what do we do or, you know, how do I go back to church this Sunday and feel like, oh, yeah, this is a great place I want to go. Yeah. Where maybe I feel, I don't know if betrayed is the right word, but I'm, I'm struggling with the fact that the AP uh, article and, and everything with the church's response, et cetera, occurs. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer, what makes you uniquely qualified to be able to talk about this for people who haven't listened to 520 or, or don't know who you are? Yeah, uh, two things. Um, I was abused in the Baptist church where I grew up. I actually took my church to court and won. So I've been through the legal side of it as a victim, uh, but I'm also a licensed mental health therapist, work with lots and lots of people who have been through abuse. Um, sometimes that means clergy abuse. Sometimes it means they were a family in a church. And then sometimes that just means like they weren't in churches at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is an area where I spend a lot of my time. And speaking of spent a lot of time uh, in some of the interviews, and I'm surprised actually that you said it was only four. I literally felt like every time I saw in my pod fetcher a new episode from someone, I was like, well, I'll be interested to see what they do different with Jennifer. Right. Um, you uh, took the deep dive, one that I started into, and then I realized I, I needed to take a little bit of break from about mm -hmm. some of the court records and everything around this case. If someone said, hey, what's this all about? Give me a, uh, maybe a minute or two. What what are we talking about when we talk about this AP article and this yeah. uh, this particular abuse case? It's it's an old case, um, actually, that has come to light. Um, happened in Bisbee, Arizona. 
a man and his wife, they had, they ultimately have six children. Two of the daughters are severely, just severely sexually abused. Like it's, it is horrific. If you are sensitive in any way at all, even the AP article will trigger trigger you. Mm-hmm. I don't, for most people, I don't recommend going and reading the court records. They're 10 times more graphic than the AP article. So the article details the abuse, but it also details the fact that this family um, were attending their ward there in Arizona. Seems like the mom and kids are pretty regular attenders. Dad is there enough that he has conversations with the bishop, at least. Um, At one point, um, he confesses something to the bishop. We don't actually even have specifics on what it is that he confessed, but in some way that he was abusing his oldest daughter Youngest daughter wasn't born yet. Bishop calls the the church has a helpline, um, essentially that's intended for bishop or state presidents who are dealing with difficult issues like this. the The number one purpose of the helpline is to get abuse to stop. The number two reason for the helpline is to give the bishop some understanding of what his legal requirements are in whatever state or country he lives in, um, so that he can fulfill those requirements. In this case, it appears that the helpline told um, the bishop, there's actually two bishops in this case. One, you know, he gets released regularly from his calling and the next one comes up. And and it's not completely clear that both bishops called the helpline, at least the first one did. And Mm -hmm. his understanding of what he was told was that he could not report. And so he put a lot of pressure on the the parents to report. There's a recording um, of him explaining what bishop number one tells to bishop number two which is basically our hands are tied we can't report we're trying to get these people to report um that goes on for about three years they're ex- or he the father is excommunicated um the abuse doesn't stop and goes on for four more years so the question becomes like did our church have a hand in the suffering of these girls and they're going to have lifelong damage for this they just are mm-hmm. and and what would be a better response and and how do people who are just trying to be faithful church members, understand and grapple with this. A couple of uh, things just to kind of add into what Mm -hmm. you just said. Uh, One, it's important and I think worth noting that as I understand it with Arizona, that that it, their hands weren't tied and that he could have said something correct. Each state kind of has their own rules yeah. or laws about how they can report. Arizona has um, a similar situation to a lot of other states where there is an option um, for clergy not to report. Um, it appears that... It appears that that is part of the scenario. To be honest, it's very unclear why he believed he didn't re- didn't have to report, or I'm sorry, couldn't report. It's unclear why that's true. The reality is in this case, there are a lot of things that are not as they appear, that are just really, really hard to understand. Like, why did this happen? For example, the first bishop was also a, a medical doctor. Yeah, was, there, was the family's physician. Correct. And so, like, couldn't he have reported in his role as that? Interestingly enough, um, like we don't know the details about why that side of things went down. His medical license was never taken away. He had he received no discipline over that from his professional organization. The the Arizona um, grand jury took up the case last year. Uh, did the bishops do anything legally wrong? Um, uh, unfortunately, results of 
grand juries are secret. So we don't know what they found. However, the bishops have not been charged with anything. Right. It's reasonable to think that a grand jury wouldn't be shy about issuing charges if they had them to issue. So there's there's a whole lot we don't know and some that we do know. Uh, just a couple other things, too. One, when you talk about it being an old case, it is in the past. But I think one of the things that has been particularly frustrating for me mm-hmm. is and maybe this is human nature. Maybe this speaks to like what I'll what I'll kind of allow and what I won't allow. But like mm-hmm. when I think of the past and I'm like, oh, man, the 80s, man, we had we had things in the 80s and and we learned better. But that's you know, mm-hmm. that's what that's when I was growing up. Yeah. And that And that's not the the oldness of this this is mid correct. 2010s yeah correct 2010 or 11 is when the abuse begins there's a little confliction in the court records over that and it goes until about 2017 so thank you when i say this this the actual bit of what happened the criminal case of it is old the reason it's in the news is the the family, the girls in this family are um, suing to get a settlement because of the bishop's actions. And I've said this everywhere else, I'll say it here too. If our church, to the degree that our church made their lives harder, mm-hmm. made their abuse harder, they absolutely deserve a settlement, every cent of it. Um, this isn't money grubbing, this isn't anything like that. Like. There are real actual financial consequences for abuse. Those typically, I don't know for these girls, but those typically include things like delayed education, um, reduced ability to earn income, additional medical bills, including mental health bills. Like there, there are, there are, there's a bucket load of damage these girls have taken on. Mm -hmm. And to the degree that we're responsible for, for adding to their pain, they should be settled. That's my, my opinion. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Sure. And, and, and to go along with that, I, I you know, I also think about, um, you, you know, you mentioned we don't understand really why if they could report why they didn't. And I think mm-hmm. that's where people start to quickly insert. Well, what probably happened was he called the helpline and the helpline told him not to because who would not report some sort of abuse. Right. That's not something mm-hmm. that's been stated. It's not something that we know. But that is the gap that we as people fill in and immediately go, that must be the thing because I can't think of another reason why that would occur. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's an easy move from the bishop didn't do what we wish he had done. It's really easy to slide into, oh golly, the church puts themselves above these children and these bishops just sat around on their hands knowing these girls were getting raped every night and just didn't care. Mm-hmm. He just cared more about their own reputation. In, in my way to view all of this, that's not the only conclusion to come to, right? There are some weird things in this case, and there's a lot that we don't know. I have a list of about 35 questions of just factual questions I would love the answers to, and they're not available. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so why didn't they call? I don't know. To ascribe that to be, the AP calls it a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem to it either if it were if it were a conspiracy why does the helpline work like it's supposed to work a lot of time i've heard many 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 so many stories in the last 10 days of the helpline actually working how it was supposed to work so if it's a conspiracy it's a really bad one um i want to be humble enough to say like i don't there's facts here i just don't know and i'm not going to fill it in with um 
the church is being self-protective when that is not at all obvious to me. Yeah. It, it becomes a really difficult thing, I think, uh, because human nature needs that gap to be filled, right? Mm-hmm. And so whether or not we fill it with conspiracy or we fill it with something else, there's all that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, but, then, but then the other part of it, like I sort of have become uh, un, unsettled with it. And, and mm-hmm. this is, if I'm being truthful, part of the reason why you're here, it's, it's free therapy for me mm-hmm. to walk through some of my feelings that I have about it. This is not, this is not therapy, by the way. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not legally obligated. Yeah, no, 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 I know. Uh, But, but also to say that like, like, I feel like I, I, I would just report, right? Like even, even if it was, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in trouble for reporting. Like, it just seems like such a natural response. Like my first thing would be like, okay, well now I'm going to go to your house and make mm-hmm. sure that your kids are okay. We're going to go ahead and get them out of there. And then also I'm going to call the cops because what is going on is illegal and damaging and life-changing and on and on and on and on yeah. and on. You know, I, I feel every bit of that. Like I understand absolutely how and why this is so confusing of like, why didn't they just do the completely obvious thing that's obvious to all of us? Um, and I wish I had a better answer as to why. However, mm-hmm. I do feel like I've gotten some traction on like, how can somebody go to church tomorrow? I mean, we're recording this Saturday morning, right? Mm-hmm. How can somebody go sit in church tomorrow morning and feel okay about all of this? Um, part of Honestly, part of that has to be an embracing of the number one, we don't know all the facts. Number two, this case is truly bizarre for one really particular reason, which is, I mean, I hate to throw the mom under the bus here, but mom lies a lot in court. In fact, there's a transcript of the FBI agent um, that interviews her multiple times she calls him up and, and he's telling this story to the court. She calls him up and says, you need to know I've been lying. And then she continues to lie on the, on the phone call. And there's a lot of reasons for that. She is traumatized. She has her own abuse background. But at one point she, she is quoted as saying, she's talking about the conversation she had with the bishop. Mm-hmm. And the bishop says to her, like, Hey, like how far is going to be too far? When are you going to, when are you going to do something? He's trying to get her to, to make something. When are you going to do something to protect your kids? And she very plainly says, if he ever actually puts a hand on them, I will leave with my children. She actually had many, many, many opportunities to leave, including the fact that he was gone sometimes for months at a time for work. Mm-hmm. She has a very large family that was willing to help her and take her in and, and, and loves her and her kids. Um, she doesn't do any, doesn't do any of those things. What she says to the bishop when he asks that, how far is too far, she gives an answer that is reasonable to interpret that as saying he has not laid a hand on my children. And so the confusion of the of the bishops, I think that deserves a lot of compassion. Yeah. Victim victims, victims do this, right? They they give a story, they take it back, they give a story, they take it back. That's no slight against them. That's part of the position that they're in. They're trying to just figure out how to live. Can can I ask a question real quick yeah. about that? Why 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 do they do that? Um, I mean it it's it depends upon the victim a lot. I think people get scared, they get brave and they get scared and they get brave and they get scared. It, it, um, the statistics on domestic violence victims are really good on this, which says 
it takes a woman in a domestic violence situation seven attempts to leave wow. the relationship. Wow. Right. It, and a part of that is like if she doesn't have a complete plan for how to get her life organized the second she leaves, she's not gonna she's gonna go back because she doesn't have any other choices, right? Like I, I get the impulse to tell a DV victim, you gotta get out of there. But if she doesn't have a she doesn't have housing, she doesn't have a car, she doesn't want to take care of her kids, all this mm-hmm. stuff. She's going right back because there, there's it's that or homelessness for her a lot of times. Mm. I'm not saying that's the case in this scenario. Um, but moms admitting something and then taking it back and admitting something and taking it back really, really confuses the situation. I think a little bit of of human understanding for the bishop's side, mm-hmm. they're probably sitting there scratching their head going, what in the world is actually happening in this house? That still deserved a phone call. They sure. still should have called right then. But you can understand the confusion. These guys aren't therapists, right? One of them is a doctor, so he gets a little bit harsher judgment in my mind on this. Yeah. Although his, his Be- professional board didn't judge him for it, so... It, it, there isn't there something though, uh, and you you probably will know more about this than I would. There's something that if a physician can can see physical signs of abuse, they mm-hmm. have to report. Yeah, that's my understanding. Okay. Um, it, it was there physical abuse in this home? It's it does seem like it. Mm-hmm. Physical meaning not sexual. In addition to sexual abuse, um, were there ever marks on the children over that? That's that is unknown to me. I don't, mm-hmm. I have not come across that that says those, you know, this child had this bruise. But abusers also know how to hit in ways that don't leave marks and and yeah. punish in other ways. So yeah. I want to take a break real quick. Let's come back yeah. in the second block. Uh and we'll pick it up almost to say, well, now what? We've talked yeah. about the the horrible circumstances of the story. Uh and and now what can we do? We'll come back mm-hmm. and do that in the second block of the cultural hall. <laughs> bestdjinutah.com. That is the website. If you would like to hire me to come and to be at your event. Now, uh, I've done weddings and uh, family reunions, and I've had the opportunity to gather with folks just uh, for a party. I have yet to do a funeral. uh, And so I I don't want to say it with such exuberance, but I'm willing to play the music at a funeral, and I know that some people have really started to turn uh, the passing of someone into a party. Not that we're celebrating that they're gone. No, that's not what I'm saying. Take that back. Come on, Richie. I'm just saying the opportunity to be able to gather and celebrate the life of an individual. This suddenly got really dark, and I didn't mean it to. The point is, if uh, you have an event, an activity that you need music to be played for, why not considering consider rather hiring me uh, you go to bestdjinutah.com hey friends dan the laptop man from pc laptops as you know there's been a huge video card shortage for computers we have tons of nvidia and amd video cards right now available with complete systems check us out right now at pclaptops.com here in the second block of the cultural hall do not forget that you can become a patreon saint of the cultural hall go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall you get to be a part of the secret but not sacred facebook group where we're talking about all sorts of silly things behind the scenes of the episode in fact often you can find us being tangential about 
very little that actually occurred in the episode. Um, but we can be like, oh, yeah, Jennifer had interesting drapes. And then someone can say, I had those drapes back in the 80s. And then we go on and on and on and on about the drapes and nothing about the episode. Jennifer, so as you mentioned, recording this on a Saturday morning, uh, people will be going to church the next day. And I know for a lot of people, I've seen this reflected in social media. I have seen this um, in and heard this in conversations with friends. This, this particular case, um, the I don't want to say rebuttal, but the response from the church about it has a lot of people at, at best maybe bothered, at, at worst maybe truly questioning whether or not mm-hmm. the church is considering the welfare of those or is out for itself. So now we we have the opportunity to go and to worship tomorrow. How 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 do we get from all this mm-hmm. kerfuffledness of where we're at to I'm trying to be like Jesus, please pass the sacrament? Yeah, it, I mean, the very first thing for me is we worship God, not the church. Right. Um, and I don't mean that as an excuse for mistakes, but the the object of our worship is not our church. It's not our leaders. It's not any of those things. The response from the church, I understand why people look at that and say this is insufficient. I also yep. just just yeah. to pause real quick, because because basically what their response was, uh, n- no, we didn't. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yes, we did. Really defensive, not not empathetic, not compassionate, but more of a well, guys, we didn't have to a really mm-hmm. defensive sort of response. I, you know, the first time I read it, I was actually pretty okay with it and then sat with it some more and listened to some people some more and thought, eh, yeah, like this really could have been better. However, um, it's not like they knew that this story was coming out in the form that it comes out. That AP reporter, he's not sending this story to the church a month in advance for approval, right? (laughs) Like maybe they got a couple days heads up. Hey, we're going to run a story. Do you want to get a statement? Maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they certainly were not given that story. They read it at the same time that you and I did. Mm-hmm. Right. I woke up and read it at like seven in the morning. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is awful. And then like proceeded to have terrible feelings for a couple of hours. Um, whoever it is that, that made that statement or that signed off on that statement they're a human being too, right? They're potentially a little triggered by this too. I don't know any thinking, caring human adult that wasn't triggered by this. Mm-hmm. Like even people with no connection to abuse or the church or anything whatsoever. So a, a little, a little compassion on the the humanness side of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not what we worship anyway. Um, the third point I really want to make on that is the monster here is the dad. Yeah. He is monster in chief. The church fumbled and made some mistakes on this, in my opinion. Um, but you see some people saying crazy things like the church knew it didn't care. You also see a lot of misreads. Like I saw, I'm not a Twitter person and I certainly am not going to engage in, in Twitter <laughs> stuff. Oh, I'm just not. Yeah. But there there was one that had, you know, 800 comments on it. Two different LDS bishops abused the same girl. Like, no, that's yeah. literally not what happened here. So trying to keep the facts straight, keep straight what we know and what we don't know. And I understand, like, I have 
I read all this stuff. So it, that's a little bit easier in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't worship the church. We worship God. The monster here is that dad. Monster number two is the mom. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the kids suffered. I, I hope that they get a settlement that helps them for life. Yeah. It's so difficult and so heavy, yeah. right? I, I, I think, I mean, the next natural question for a lot of people is like, well, how do we protect kids? What yeah, do we yeah, do? yeah. What are we doing? Or, or maybe one step where we take it personally is we go, what can I do? Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, if I'm part of that Bisbee ward in Arizona, like, I think I take that one step further. Like this was occurring literally in my ward boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I don't think statistics, uh, lend us away from like this is probably happening in everyone's stake right yeah at least well yeah i i mean w- one in three women before age of 18 right and right. there's no there's no reason to believe that those that are that the statistics in our church are any different right, right. so right. a lot of abuse happens so what can a, an individual person do a person who is not Speaking for the church, not setting policy, not doing any of those kinds of things. The number one thing, in my opinion, that people misunderstand about how to protect kids is we don't, adults do not think like children, right? Most of us. Yeah. Um, (laughs) With a few exceptions. There are a few exceptions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As adults, we, we give and receive information from each other all the time in this really kind of at least attempts at being straightforward. This happened on this day, this body part touched this body part, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we adults want to be given the information in a super clear way. We practically want that kid to sit down with us at an appointment and like show us on their calendar, all of their documentation, right? That's kind of, I'm being sarcastic, but it's a little bit what we expect from kids. Kids and teenagers do not report that way, not even remotely. When a kid or a teenager has been through some kind of abuse, the vast majority of time they disclose by accident. Tell me what what you mean. Yeah, what I mean by that is the kid says something and they don't even know it's weird because it's normal to them. Or they just haven't thought about like, oh, other people are going to hear this differently than I hear this. And they say something and an adult around them is kind of brave enough to go, wait, what? Like, that doesn't make any, like, what do you, what, what's going on here? Maybe don't say it quite that harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, here, here's an example. Um, an 11 year old who says I was in bed with my dad and this really funny thing happened with the dog, mm-hmm. right? My ears are going to perk up a little bit, not, not to panic level. A lot of 11 year olds still visit their parents' bed minded. Mm-hmm. Right. The fact that he would be in our bed was not in and of itself abuse. However, like, huh, that kid just dropped a detail that's worth keeping in the back of your mind. Right. So so then the skill for the adult or one of the things that we can do is be present in the conversations that we're having with kids. Just just being aware of what they're saying or paying attention to to look for those things. Yeah, to anything that's just a little bit weird. And then either. Tucking that back away, trying to listen to the kid more, mm-hmm. or trying to draw that out of them. I understand the difficulty yeah. that most adults feel about talking to kids about sexual things, especially if it's not their kid, right? right? If they're the school teacher or they're the Sunday school teacher or they're the bishop or whatever, very few adults want to pick that up and say, oh, 
are you in bed with your dad a lot? Like, yeah, yeah. That's a super awkward question. And the adult also runs the risk of why is that creeper talking to me about why I'm in where I am in bed, right? Yep, like we yep. don't want to get in ourselves into a weird situation. And it kind of takes the courage to to track on what this kid is saying on a kid level. So the the majority of disclosures happen like that weird random facts that they drop. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way that it happens is a really deliberate kid will disclose on purpose, but not like you think. Not a sit down, hey, here this body part went there, but uh, I'm going to give you one tiny piece of information, you adult, mm-hmm. and I'm going to see what you do with it. Right. And that sure. kid, it, this is much more likely to be teenagers than children. Children don't have the capacity to plan like that, but teenagers, mm-hmm. many of them do. And they might say, I'm going to give you a piece and see what you do. And if you don't pick up that piece and you don't at least register something, mm-hmm. they're not going to give you piece number two. And you probably need 30 pieces of information before you piece it together. Mm. So a lot of listening and a lot of keeping the conversation going over it, it might take weeks or months is, is it also the a way that we sort of test it out where we go are they going to overreact or make this an uncomfortable thing like absolutely uh, uh, you know like i can think of times where i'll be like you know with my spouse i'll be like uh and then you kind of see what that reaction is and you go okay so Maybe I got to figure out a different way that I tell her. And to be clear, I'm not speaking of abuse. I just think of in general, we kind of, we sort of test the water a little bit to go, Mm -hmm. what is the reaction going to be like if I, if I say any part of this? And and this, this goes back to exactly how victims give a story and take it back, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If a kid gives you a little piece of their story and you overreact, guaranteed. Oh, I I was just kidding. Don't take that serious, (laughs) right? It was a joke. You silly, you know, whatever, like the, the threading that needle is it. That's a really tough needle. Mm. And hey, no, oh, no, you, I was just to say for most adults are not going to be great at this. Mm-hmm. We're not trained to listen to kids in this way around this issue. Um, if you adults listening, if you feel like, oh my gosh, that kid I know, or maybe my own kid said something that I'm looking back on now as weird See if you can find a, a a graceful way back into that conversation with them. Remember mm-hmm. that one time you told me such and such? I was thinking about that the other day, right? Mm-hmm. Like just because you messed it up in the initial conversation, you can you can pick stuff back up. You can reintroduce the topic. Like that's not the end of the world. Um, ideally, get better at listening to kids and and how they disclose information, but. Don't like, I hope no one is beating themselves up saying, oh my gosh, that one time that kid told me this weird thing and I just ran from it. Yeah. Well, and then I think we sort of catastrophize what that situation may be. It could have actually been nothing, but then in light of this, we go, what if that child, and I don't know where that child is now because Mm -hmm. those, that family moved and I could have prevented this thing that maybe doesn't even exist, but we very quickly go, oh, I'm the worst. And then we take it on ourselves. Yeah. And that's, that's, the humility to say all of, all of us are human beings. Nobody, only the monsters that commit this kind of abuse are sitting around going, hey, yeah, I don't care. Everybody else cares. You are not going to do this perfectly. I have not done this perfectly. Do it. Do what you can do. And that's what you can do. 
I want to take another break. When we come back, uh, we'll sort of wrap out this episode. And I want to talk about looking forward to the future and also find out what's going on with you. You got to take like seven weeks of vacation in the state of Utah. I don't know what that's all about. We'll get into some (laughs) of that. Maybe get a little bit lighter. We also may not get a little lighter. That's coming in the third block of the cultural hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can always email us, contact at theculturalhall.com. Email is always open. Uh, you can send it in the middle of the night when you're awoken from your slumber and you think, I need to send this message now. Richie needs to book this guest on the show. It's contact at theculturalhall.com. It doesn't cost anything. It's free. Free email. <laughs> Electronic mail is what the E in email stands for. So send it along. Uh, Jennifer, so it is likely to say that there are people that are, are you know, struggling with this, that, that um, you know, I see you talk about Twitter and I see where some people are like, not a single mention of this at church yesterday. Sure felt like there should have been. I'm certainly alone about this. And other people who are like, you know, props to my stake president or my bishop who did bring this up yesterday. How how in um in a supportive and I guess sort of faithful conversation, how how can we reach out to other people and and yeah. talk about this and and be that sounding board for the people who, you know, maybe they're not gonna leave over this, but they but they look at it and go, oh, this sure feels icky from my church. Mm-hmm. I, man, my heart goes out to the bishop or the stake president who has to make a call and do we even talk about this? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who I don't, they don't read news. Yeah, they have no idea about this. Yep. Right? And so part of me almost wants them to not have to bear the burden of this story because it is heavy, right? Mm -hmm. However, I really, really do sympathize with the person who says, gosh, no mentions of this. Nobody else knows what I'm talking about. I feel so alone and just burdened by this. Um, the the perfect answer to that is not something I know. Like, what should the the upfront the people who are running a sacrament service? What should they say? You're asking the wrong girl, right? Like, I don't <laughs> I don't plan sacrament meeting, and everyone in my life is grateful for that. Yeah. <laughs> it would get weird. Yep. Um, but in terms of like talking with each other, there is there is a place to stand that says this is horrific this is terrible we are grieving and 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 sackcloth and ashes kind of grieving over any role that our own church may have had however the the perpetrator of evil here is the dad mm-hmm. and his evil he's dead he he hugged himself in jail right his evil is reaching from beyond his death to slime a whole lot of people and their sense of faith. Yeah. His his evil has already ruined those kids. There's healing, there's hope. They're gonna go on, they're gonna grow up, they're gonna be strong and resilient. It ultimately it's gonna be okay for them. I have to believe that I'm a therapist. Mm-hmm. I think there's a law that says I have to believe that. Yeah. Um the 
the evil that he has done, don't amplify it. Do do not amplify his evil by by letting that be a wedge between you and your your spiritual life, between you and your worship of God, whatever that looks like for you. Um, whether you're in this church or you're just a God-loving person somewhere else, to 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 drive a wedge into that, that's another like tally mark for his evil. Do not give him that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there is some place to say, like, yeah, this is terrible. Yeah, I feel really, really sad about what our role may have been, but I am not letting his evil corrupt me, right? I am sticking with my values. I'm sticking with what I believe. I'm not going to be afraid of talking with children and teenagers. I'm not going to be afraid of saying, and somehow God is still on his throne. That's a hard place to stand for some folks. And I have a lot, a lot, a lot of compassion on there. Mm-hmm. I live in these issues, so I get there pretty fast. Yeah. But most people don't. And it it might take some time. And if that's where you're, you are a friend or family member or whoever is, that's okay. Like this issue is gross and it has slimed a lot of people. Um, and I think that deserves some patience. One of the responses that I, I don't want to say that I have no tolerance for, but I feel very strongly that I have no tolerance for mm-hmm. is the response of, well, this was just a sliming piece by the AP uh, yeah, and they just, you know, it's uh, essentially, it's this cry of of fake news. They don't understand. They don't know. And which is ridiculous, but, but, but I see it, but I see yeah. it a lot. And I, and I, and I think like, I've tried to think why would someone respond that way? Mm-hmm. A- and the best I can come up with is that maybe they just don't know how they would deal with it. If it were in fact, yeah, the truth, which it is. I mean, the yeah. AP is not, you know, a hobby blogger in their mom's basement going out and seeking this. This is something that they, have research and levels of, you know, qualifying all these things. This reporter in particular, like there was no one more qualified to write this article than him. Does that mean when he says it's a vast conspiracy to protect the church and not children that he's correct? No, that's opinion. Sure. Right. Um, However, he wrote the article, wrote it really well to be, to be frank. I mean, it's, it's brilliantly done. If you're, if you're a reporter, that's a pretty good piece. However, not everything in that article is correct. There are things in that article that it, it's clear he does not have a full understanding of what our religious world is. How could he? Mm-hmm. I've been in this church for three years, and sometimes they feel like I barely understand. Yeah. Right? So how's a complete outsider going to understand? Um, so, like, yes, this thing really happened. Don't don't attack the messenger. Yeah. Um, but also, please read the news with some um, discernment. Some things are statements of facts. Some things are statements of opinion. Know the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy is certainly, certainly qualified to give his own opinion, but it doesn't mean he's right. Yeah. But to dismiss it out of hand and say, oh, you know, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. That's, that's inappropriate, but I have seen that response. And, and that's where, that's where I put the phone down and my wife goes, what's wrong? And I go, oh, nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Nothing. I just, I have to, I have to set this down right now. Otherwise I might blow a gasket. I feel like that was one of the very early responses of people. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're being persecuted. No, you're not. Yeah. Um, and I have not seen that. I mean, the story has been out for a few days now. I haven't seen that as much recently. So hopefully that one, the wave of that one is going away. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Icky. Gross. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. We, 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 
as a community are experiencing something that can be called secondhand trauma, mm-hmm. right? Even reading that article, especially, my goodness, it, a woman or a man sitting in church tomorrow morning who has their own trauma history, especially if it hasn't been well processed, like my heart is with them. I absolutely feel for them because the amount of triggering that this story would do, it it it's a it's going to generate some trauma responses. If you have somebody in your life that you love that has been a victim of some kind of sexual abuse, please understand that when they are triggered into a trauma response, they're not completely in charge of their emotions, right? There, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things that are happening to them physiologically that they don't want and is kind of out of their control. So they might be a little volatile or weird or depressed or moody or like whatever you want to say, dear, dear people who have not been abused, please um, check on your abused friends. <laughs> well, and that, and that seems, you know, that sort of takes me to a part where I think about like this sort of secondhand trauma or this, this re-traumatization of people who have been through like uh-huh. things. And I think we sort of, we put a buffer or like a, a space where we're like, well, why would this bother me to this degree? This didn't happen mm-hmm. to me. And yeah, and, it, so, and so like to, to talk about this situation or scenario with the therapist seems like, well, well, that would be bizarre, but it's not that bizarre. If it's striking us to the point that it's affecting our day-to-day life uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and impacting how we're able to um, interact in the world. It can be just something that we read about, something that we've seen on TV, those things that we might need to take to a mental health professional. Yeah, secondary trauma is a thing. Um, it, if you have a bad feeling within the first five minutes of reading that article, do you need to run to your therapist? No, but if, I don't know, three weeks have gone by and you're still really struggling, please reach out to somebody. I mean, even honestly, even two weeks, if you're currently in therapy, this is certainly a realistic thing to be able to talk about in therapy. Hey, I read this article and it was so upsetting to me. You and your therapist can sit and sort through why and develop some resilience to that secondary trauma. It's not, it's not crazy to be triggered by this. It's hard. It's, it's awful. The AP article alone is enough to really send, especially an abuse victim into a spiral. Yeah. Hopefully as we go and, and interact with those that are around us, if nothing else, and hopefully there's a lot more than this, but if nothing else, there's that extra amount of kind of love and compassion to just be Mm -hmm. like, Hey person that I have no idea. I just need you to know that, that I love you and that I'm here for you regardless. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Whatever the thing is. I sat with a friend yesterday who was saying like, okay, you have been out there all over social media, imploring people to keep their faith through this issue. You don't have to, don't let your faith be a victim of of this monster, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, And my friend says like, all right, let's talk about you. Like I'm an abuse victim too. I get triggered too. She's like, how is your faith? Mm -hmm. So it, it, that's not an inappropriate question. If you have that level of relationship with somebody, um, be, be, be sensitive to people who that might be coming out in weird ways for them. Sometimes being triggered looks like anger. Sometimes it looks like depression. Sometimes it looks like a lot of things. This is going to require a lot from, from people who themselves have been abused and those that love them. That does beg the question. How are you doing? I, you know, I am okay on this. I have incredible support. Um, 
almost everything I have done. I mean, there's me and then there's 30 people behind me who are helping me with all of this Mm -hmm. reading documents. Um, one person who purchased, you have to, to download documents from the court, you have to pay for them. So one person who said like, I'll pay for the documents. I'm not going to read them, but I'll give them to you. You can do whatever you want with them. Other people who are helping me read documents, um, some friends who put money on a DoorDash card for me. And it's like, <laughs> you don't even need to worry about feeding yourself right now. Just order some food. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. it, it, it takes a village to keep a Jennifer upright. <laughs> <laughs> But but you're not home right now. You're out and about or out and about for our neighbors up north. So I have this wonderful, wonderful situation in my life where I'm a mental health therapist. I the greatest gift the pandemic ever gave me was the fact that telehealth is now normalized. And so I last year I traveled 12 weeks of the year. Wow. I can't no no one who owns their own practice can take 12 weeks off from their clients. So I just, you know, bring my laptop and set aside. I have some working days and I have some, they were supposed to be go and play days. I had some (laughs) hikes I wanted to do this week. I'm here for three weeks. These three weeks were already packed before that AP story came out. (laughs) Some some of my plans got a little changed, but man, telehealth is the greatest because I can do it from almost anywhere. And and you're in Utah, as I understand it, for what the the yeah, so, so education the, week and some other things. I came down for the fair conference. Um, I, I'll be at education week. I have a kid who's going to school down here, so I spend a lot of time with my kid. Um, I have friends here that I love to see, so you know, just doing Utah stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing the Utah thing. Uh, <laughs> When we visited with you before, we were talking about your your uh, book that you co-authored uh, oh, with yeah. friend of the show, Nick Gaetti. Yeah. Galetti? Galetti. It rhymes with spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. I always want to give it a little in there. I know. Um, I know. Uh, how is that going? And what what's next sort of professionally? Is there something like that coming out? What 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 is the future with Jennifer aside from this horrible AP story, which you've done the circuit with? Right. Um, I... Nick and I had a fantastic time writing that book. It was really, really fun. Did some podcasts about it. You can mm-hmm. find them everywhere. Um, I got a delightful picture about a month ago from a friend who who snapped a picture of that book sitting on the shelf of Deseret Book in downtown mm-hmm. Salt Lake. Whoop, whoop. I was like, wow, look at that. Um, so that was pretty fun. Um, you know, I think we've made like 50 bucks on it. So things are going great. <laughs> Isn't that the author's way, right? Nick is a is a barbecue aficionado, so I always say like, if we make money, like, just can you buy some steaks and I'll come and yeah. sit with you and your wife and your kids and like let's just eat our profits. Yeah, and I think that's pretty much what we've done. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Are uh, any sort of plans to do something like that in the future? Any anything that professionally it's taking you uh, in a in a in a way? You know, I always got things uh, bubbling up. Nothing, I nothing, I'm spilling the beans on yet. Ah, but it's, I know, I know. Um, I'm around. Okay, <laughs> that's vague. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, you're fine. You're fine. I'm sure that when there is something that you'll like, uh, do us the great pleasure of coming back here in the cultural hall uh, to I be see, able to visit with us. 
Do I seem like a woman who is having a hard time getting her voice heard? No, 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 <laughs> no. no. Uh, you know, we, we, when we visited with you before, we asked the three questions we ask everyone, mm. but I'm going to just ask you the one um, at, at this point, this time where you have been in the last little while and where you are today, what is your favorite part of your faith? Uh, my favorite part of my faith is I have something to aspire towards a direction to aim my emotions, my the complexity around issues around, around stuff like this. If I did not have that, the despair over, oh my goodness, the world is terrible. The mm-hmm. world is evil. Humans are intolerable. I would collapse under the weight of that. And so to have a trajectory towards, nope, there, there are better ideals than this. There are better things that we are moving towards. We are not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that keeps me afloat. Um, I could not, I I could not exist in these abuse spaces without that. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this particular moment, there you go. That's my favorite part. I know that people can uh, find and listen to you in the different different conversations, and I've given you a hard time about it, but hopefully you <laughs> take it as a as as a great uh, badge of like, yeah, you know what? Within the LDS space, this is. This is one of the people that we trust the most to be able to speak about that. When I read that story, I knew what I had to do. Yeah, yeah. And certainly there are other people who are qualified and able to do this. And I already had a relationship with people where I could be like, hey, hook me up. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes you just know what you have to do and you go and do it. Are, is there a written place where all of the stuff that you you sort of think and feel it is, or are we just piecing it together from the various conversations that you've you had? You know, there there is not a one written place where it all is. Um, wouldn't that be convenient for people? <laughs> if you uh, want, maybe, if, if you like want to make partner, people work, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, well, I encourage people then obviously to hear the various conversations and hopefully we've added something into the mix that isn't just a rehash of a previous conversation, mm-hmm. but one that is look for, looking forward because yeah. to me at the end of the day, like we, we have to choose what we're doing and, and life will continue to go on, which isn't a dismissal of everything that's, that it has happened, but it's that, you know, we have to make the choice. What are we going to do with this? Yeah. This has occurred. This is, is has been told. So now what? So now what do we do? And I hope that we've been able to speak into that. Uh, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Brother Brent, Miracles, I Told You So, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat On the back row, we really gotta go On the Culture Hall Show